All right, back at you for our topic today, which is Operation or Project Cloverleaf. Uh, just going to go through kind of a timeline, a little introduction, and then uh, we'll, we'll get started. It's going to take a little while, but probably not too long. Uh, Project Cloverleaf is a joint U.S.-Canadian military operation involving distributing chemicals into the atmosphere above Canada and the United States. Both U.S. military refueling tankers and thousands of planes in private corporate aviation are used for this purpose. Now, I've told you about chemtrails and HARP and you know, some of this stuff before. Just going to get a little bit more in depth with this stuff. So you should be familiar with HARP, H-A-A-R-P. I did an episode on it. So if you're not, may want to go back and listen to that episode first uh, and then you know, in that episode, I talk about a lot of the stuff that we're going to cover. We're just going to give a different kind of perspective on it. So military and civilian aspects of Project Cloverleaf are covert operations. The purpose is to seed into the atmosphere, into the atmosphere, multiple weather climate modification chemicals for purposes of proactive environmental warfare, originally motivated by a climate change concern and to introduce highly humanly toxic metal, metallic salts and aerosol fibers that facilitate atmospheric operations of HARP technology. The covert distribution framework of the toxic metals and chemicals has been used in other covert military civilian operations like massive biological experiments on whole cities and countryside of people and ecologies. Tests which are unauthorized and without consent or even public knowledge. The purpose is nothing less than the actual physical transformation of the Earth's atmosphere in order to provide a platform for the latest chemical and electromagnetic technologies of warfare, communication, weather control, low-yield biological warfare, and control of populations through non-lethal chemical electromagnetic means. So let's go through a timeline. 1987, we'll start there. <clears throat> U.S. environmental regulations limit all airborne particle concentrations less than 10 microns in diameter. I'll just click reference. I told you the other day, this limits it less than 10 microns. COVID is 0.125 micron so about a tenth of one micron very tiny 1994 10 micron aluminum oxide called for in a patent issued to hughes aircraft company so there's a patent for 10 micron aluminum oxide in 1994 Wealthbach seeding for reduction of global warming refers to spreading highly reflective materials in the atmosphere to reflect enough incoming sunlight, which is 1% to 2% of the sunlight, to slow, rapidly accelerating global warming. The Sky Shield blueprint calls for dispensing microscopic particles of humanly toxic aluminum oxide and other reflective materials into the upper atmosphere. Upper atmosphere. Cannot talk. Computer simulations by Ken Caldera at Lawrence Livermore, excuse me, Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory calculated that this would be enough to stop warming over 85% of the planet 
despite an anticipated doubling of carbon in the atmosphere within the next 50 years. Again, we're still in 1994 here. Lawrence Livermore priced the aerial spray program at U.S. $1 billion a year. A year. A cheap fix. A cheap fix to maintain massive private corporation petroleum profits in the face of Kyoto's internationally agreed carbon cutbacks. IPCC warned against unpredictable upsets of the atmosphere and angry populaces reacting to the associated whitening of the visual appearance of the sky. Caldera was so concerned that he went public, warning deflecting sunlight would further cool the stratosphere, concentrating icy clouds of ozone-gobbling CFCs that could destroy Earth's solar radiation shield. However, they ignored the global atmospheric risk and the ecological and human health concerns for the sake of maintaining a quick fix on private oil profits. Aluminum in that patent was intended to be put into the fuel of jet airliners. If it was added to the plane's auxiliary fuel tanks, chemtrails will appear only at cruising altitudes after the flight crew switches to auxiliary tanks. Switching to main tanks for takeoff and landing will leave no chemtrail clues close to the ground. According to a former engineer for Alcoa, aluminum oxide in the size ranges called called for would polish jet turbine blades without harming harming them and would form brilliant white plumes in skies. How often do you look up and you see lines of white across the sky? The engineer warned that metallic particles intended to remain aloft for a year could settle quickly to the ground and become toxic. Now, August of 1994, presence of human blood cells were found. Oh, lost my spot. Were found on artificial filaments identified by hospital lab tech. Human cells were in gel material that were splattered uh, over Oakville, Washington. From, from like chemtrails. June 17th, 1996 to August of 96. Pentagon paper presented and published weather as a force multiplier. Owning the weather in 2025, a research paper presented to Air Force 2025. Quoted. So that paper had a quote in it. said this, according to General Gordon Sullivan, former Army Chief of Staff, as we leap technology into the 21st century, we will be able to see the enemy day or night in any weather and go after him relentlessly. A global, precise, real-time, robust, systematic weather modification capability would provide warfighting CINCs with a powerful force multiplier to achieve military objectives. Since weather will become common, will be common to all possible futures, weather modification capability would be universally applicable and have utility across the entire spectrum of conflict. Capability of influencing the weather, even on a small scale, could change it from force degrader to force multiplier. Recipe for creating cirrus shields was outlined and it explained how weather force specialists were dispersing chemicals behind high-flying tanker aircraft 
in a process the Air Force calls aerial obscuration. End quote. <clears throat> so he's talking about how you could use weather in war, basically. Early of 1998, months of spraying by photo-identified U.S. Air Force tanker planes over Espanola, Ontario, Canada. Former Ontario Provincial Police Officer and Supreme Court expert witness Ted Simula reported lingering X's and numerous white trails, some of which just ended as if they had been shut off but remained in the sky. You see that quite often, don't you? You look up, you see these trails across the sky that are white. Depending on how long they've been there, they may have spread out. Why? But you can see a line, just a, a straight line that starts and ends. That's a that's a chemtrail. <clears throat> I've been seeing less and less of them recently. I live in a pretty liberal area. I don't think it has anything to do with liberal or Republican on this one. But here recently, I haven't seen a lot. Normally, I see a lot of them. Now, yesterday, for the first time in weeks, I've seen a couple, but today, there's none. There's no more. Not that I can see. If, they were, if I seen them yesterday, they're probably up there still. Just dispersed enough to where you can't see. All right, spring of 1998, extremely high levels of aluminum powder in the rainfall falling through thick sky plumes over Espanola, Espanola Ontario. Espinola lab tests conducted after residents began complaining to environmental ministry of severe headaches, chronic joint pain, dizziness, sudden extreme fatigue, acute asthma attacks, and feverless flu-like symptoms in a 50-square-mile area coinciding with months of spraying by photo-identified U.S. Air Force tanker planes. Disease-causing agents and chemtrails tested from rainwater samples by independent lab through Ontario Ministry of Environment finds aluminum at seven times government-safe levels, high enough to kill fish. It's kind of amazing how prevalent cancer and chronic health conditions have become in the last few decades this along with some of the things that are in our food and some other stuff that's going on are responsible in fact thanks to the polio vaccine with the sv40 virus in it which is found to cause cancer that's probably one of the biggest causes of cancer Today, in my opinion, I don't have any science to back that up, but it's caused generational changes and generational cancer problems. Summer of 1999, fine aluminum particles found in a laboratory test of chemtrail contaminated rain taken in Espanola, Ontario. Again, the aluminum found in chemtrails over Ontario matches the 10 micron aluminum oxide patent. From 1994. On the other side of the world, in Naples, Italy, the U.S. Navy's Kitty Chastain sat on her hotel balcony and watched the aerial grids being laid all day just offshore the, the Bay of Naples. She wrote that people were coughing all over Naples. 
October 12th of 1999, Paris correspondent reported heavy activity from all directions, X's upon X's. The pilots here seem to like to play chicken. They fly right at each other, and then one will swerve, their trails forming pitchforks and X's. No chemtrails were being left by normal planes in the same skies, but the next day, planes flying over Paris from all directions obscured the sky. They left so many chemtrails over Paris that you couldn't see the blue anymore. November 1999, NDP defense critic Gordon Errol presented a petition signed by 550 Espanola residents to Parliament in Canada in November. 1999, demanding the end of aerial spraying by commercial or military aircraft, foreign or domestic. They were ignored. 2000, beginnings of reports of unusual white plumes in Canada and the U.S. noticed by Air Canada pilots, police officers, and ex-military personnel. August 27th, 2000, American tourist in Spain, John Hendricks, dashed quick email from El Cafe de Internet. We were surprised to see the chemtrails are as bad here as they are anywhere, both in Mallorca and in Barcelona. May 20th, Project Cloverleaf name was revealed. I said May 20th, May 2000. Uh, Project Cloverleaf name was revealed as the covert commercial airline aspect of the chemtrail spring. An anonymous U.S. commercial aviation mechanic and airline corporate executive separately admitted that commercial planes were rigged with special equipment to distribute unknown chemicals into the air using thousands of commercial planes in the United States. The chemtra or chemicals are discharged through disguised, hollowed-out static wicks on the plane's wings. Chemical solution tanks are covertly hidden on the planes. Covert operation is administered by the tiny number of outsourced private personnel who empty whole airports, multiple airline lavatory tanks, and fill them up with chem tanks at the same time. The cover for Project Cloverleaf. Airline execs are told by unidentified government agents that if they tell public that they are spraying the atmosphere with illegal unmonitored compounds, they could be imprisoned. Project Cloverleaf documents are kept in locked safes at the companies involved. All commercial airliners in the U.S. have accepted payment from federal government to conduct aerial spraying as early as 1998. Mechanic was threatened with firing. He was framed, and his internet usage was monitored after he analyzed several rigged chem planes. June of 2000, by mid-2000, unprecedented aerial spray campaigns over 13 allied nations causing serious illnesses and fatalities, changing clouds and the weather. December of 2000, Canadian Aviation Authority Terry Stewart investigated a Victoria caller's complaint of intensive chemtrails over British Columbia capital. In a taped phone message, which was later played to 15 million radio listeners, the environmental manager for the Victoria International Airport checked with the control tower, reporting it is a military exercise, U.S. and Canadian Air Force exercise that's going on. They would not give me any specifics on it. Aircraft making lingering X's and grids over Vancouver Island, Canada, 
Photo identified as U.S. Air Force KC-135 and KC-10 aerial refueling tankers. U.S. Air Force counts 654-engine KC-135 strato tankers and 50 KC-10 extenders in its active inventory. Canada, without armadas of tankers, acute upper respiratory and gastrointestinal illness, fatigue, headaches, joint pain, dizziness were caused. March 12th, 2001, multi-plane CHEM missions verified in March 2001 by FAA Air Traffic Control Manager for the Northeastern Seaboard of the United States confirmed an ongoing East Coast military operation. Similar military activities ongoing in other regions, he added. On his scopes, he could track the tankers flying north into Canadian airspace. In an interview with freelance radio reporter S.T. Brent, Air traffic control manager said he's told on as many as four occasions in March 2001 to reroute commercial air traffic around the military traffic and classified aerial operation in the northeastern seaboard, repeatedly conducted at altitudes between 37,000 and 40,000 feet. While air traffic controllers normally ignore air traffic above 10,000 feet, he said he was ordered to divert Ooh, lost my spot. Ordered to divert um, <clears throat> incoming European air traffic away from the military planes. So they normally ignore it above 10,000. He was ordered to divert regardless. When asked why, he said, I was told there was a military exercise in the area. Of course, they wouldn't give me any particulars. He was asked, were any were the tankers involved in weather modification that approximates what i was told is what he said and then he was asked a a different way were tankers observed on air traffic control radars involved in climate modification he confirmed this is what he was told was the object of the missions united states air force tanker spray a substance that showed up on air traffic control radars as haze More interviews led to statements to air traffic controllers at Chicago's O'Hare Airport, all three major airports in New York, LAX, San Francisco, Atlanta, Cleveland, San Diego, Washington, D.C.'s Dulles, and Jacksonville, Florida, were being ordered to reroute airliners beneath formations of Air Force tanker planes, spraying something that regularly clouds their screens. Every controller, without exception, is being told to divert traffic due to military exercises. One of them said, aluminum or barium, that's not something you want to be breathing. Air traffic control told aerial operations were involved involving chemical climate experiments. June 17th, 2001, after photographing massive plumes over Gibsons, Ontario, Canada, Suzanne Smart checked with the aviation authorities and found that no airline flight plans had been filed for that airspace at that time. Official weather data showed that when her photos of multiple white plumes were taken, the 30% humidity at 30,000 and 35,000 feet was less than half that needed for chemtrails to form. According to the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado, the only way to form artificial clouds in warm, dry air is to introduce enough particulates into the atmosphere to attract and accrete all available moisture into visible vapor. If repeated often enough, the resulting rainless haze can lead to a drought. 
Summer of 2001, chemtrail pictures were sent to newspapers by the Associated Press. October of 2001, U.S. House of Representatives Bill H.R. 2977, introduced by Ohio Representative Dennis. I don't know how to say his last name. Kasunich. It called for the peaceful uses of space and a ban on exotic weapons. Section 7 of the Space Preservation Act of 2001 sought specifically to prohibit chemtrails by name. Kucinich recently told the Columbus Alive newspaper, recently being 2002, that despite official denials as head of the Armed Forces Oversight Committee, he is well acquainted with chemtrail projects. The truth is there's an entire program in the Department of Defense vision for 2020 that's developing these weapons. The U.S. Space Command's 2020 vision calls for dominance of space, land, sea, and air through Section 7, naming chemtrails, harp, and other planet-threatening weapons were removed in substitute bill. The removal was under pressure, according to Kasunich. December 6, 2001, a scientist working at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base recently told Reporter Bob Fitrakis that two different projects are being conducted. One involves cloud creation experiments to lessen the effect of global warming. Other chemtrails connected with the military's extremely high power radio frequency beam weapon in Alaska called HARP, which has supposedly been shut down now. The scientist claims that the two most common substances being sprayed into chemtrails are aluminum oxide and barium stearate. When you see planes flying back and forth, marking parallel lines, X patterns, and grids in a clear sky, that's aluminum oxide, according to the scientists. Barium may be spread in a similar manner for the purpose of high-tech 3D radar imaging. Springs have only expanded since 2001. Complaints met with complete official denials and grandstanding. Whole cities have repeatedly been buzzed and sickened. So, aluminum oxide can cause a lot of issues. It's, uh, it's not good for your body. <laughs> and there are studies talking about the toxicity of aluminum in humans. It's, it can cause neurological issues. At a, at a fairly high rate, uh, it can cause a lot, a lot of problems. And I mentioned some of them, headaches, dizziness, uh, Alzheimer's. It can cause Alzheimer's. It can cause a lot of different stuff. And they're spraying it above you up in the sky, along with barium and other stuff. Um, A a growing number of experts are making the link between aluminum toxicity and conditions like autism, diabetes, neuropathy, cancer, Alzheimer's, and some of the smaller stuff like headaches and all that stuff. You get aluminum and deodorants, which is not necessarily as bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not, it's not necessarily as bad as breathing it in baking powder, aluminum foil, obviously aluminum cans, uh, vaccines, this one too, the one that's big right now, uh, and chemtrails. Clearly, it's not good. It's not good for you. So look into aluminum oxide, look into barium stearate, and see the stuff that it can do to you. It's not 
good. And it's being sprayed in the skies above you all the time, all the time. Hopefully you're like me and you've, you've paid attention and you've been watching recently and you're seeing the skies more clear. Again, yesterday for the first time in weeks, I saw some chemtrails. They're not, they weren't as, as much as I normally see them, but I saw a couple today. They seem to have dispersed. I don't see any. And I, before yesterday, I haven't seen any for at least two weeks, maybe three. It's been a while. All right, guys, that's wrapping up our second episode today on project or operation, whatever you want to call it. The official name is Project Cloverleaf. Um, it ties into HARP. So if you haven't listened to the HARP still, go back and listen to the HARP episode. It's one of the first ones I did a way back, but you'll see it. It's titled, I think, Daily Shot and HARP, H-A-A-R-P. Check that out. Listen to that one, too, if you found this one interesting. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. I really appreciate you listening. Thanks if you followed the Telegram channel. I'm going to keep putting it in the video description. Um, and again, please remember to share, help me grow. Greatly appreciated. Thank you. Have a good one.